0: From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God
1: with people from Calvary Church. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt.
2: Welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast. This is Eric Wakeling, and today... You are blessed to not have Matt Doan with us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that came out. I meant like that you're going to be blessed to have the guest. out exactly how you intended it to come out. Despite actually. that Mac is not here, <laughs> you'll still be blessed. Yes, because you hear the beautiful tones of Robert Carter Woo. and Christian Hemmerling. How are we doing? Yes. Christian, this is second week in a row for you, bro. I know. Whoa. I'm feeling spoiled. <laughs> yeah, you are. What did you talk about last week? I mean, I listened.
1: I just want you to remind me. Oh sure, sure. That you knew what you were talking about. Uh,
2: Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah, remember he preached. Lord of the Flies. Yes, yes. For that. Lord of the Flies. He's just digging into Recited Piggy, just talking a lot Piggy. about some of the like hardcore child murdering. I can't believe
1: you can remember one of the names of the characters. That's amazing. My wife
2: teaches that book. Oh, yes. shout out to B. Shout out to. B. They're B. all animals. Is that right? They, I haven't read this one. No, no, no. That's Animal Farm. I think you're thinking of.
0: Oh, Animal House. They are gotcha.
2: children. They have like little. They have weird names.
0: Animal names because yes. they're
2: feral. They were feral. That's right. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It's like the original Lost. It's kind of a social commentary when you think about it. Yeah, of like I think it is HSM actually. at Calvary almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like it's and
2: that was where the conch. Or do you guys say conch or conch?
0: It's conch. conch. You conch, conch. out yeah yeah hey, conch. Conk out. You have a, in Spongebob there's a magic conch and it tells them to do stuff oh yeah see there you go Yeah. but yeah that's where they would pass the conch and you could only speak if you were holding the conch that's remember civilized that? that's yeah. pretty civilized these people kids get a bad rap it started that way and then they
2: all started killing
0: each other and oh stuff. my gosh yeah, but it you can only dark. kill someone when you were holding the conch <laughs> Correct. with the conch, with the, conch. <laughs> with the, conch. <laughs> <laughs> the only acceptable murder weapon <laughs> the pointy bits you could bludgeon them with
2: this is the exciting content oh you guys gosh. get here on the Cali Life podcast <laughs> um, but we do have have Robert with us yes Robert. Hello, everyone and uh if you don't remember Robert is the small groups pastor here Absolutely. he does groups does connections so he helps people connect yeah we were talking a lot about discipleship so you know your voice is just going to be super important here mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt like I meant to say that nicely and then it came out the way it did
1: Super important, Bobby. I would imagine that everything you say kind of happens like that, Eric.
2: You meant to say it nicely, but you actually sound terrible when you say Uh, it. We have to to be careful, don't we? Okay, we're going (laughs) to. We don't have the Matt Doan softening. Right. Ah yes, uh, yes. Maybe pray for that gift to increase <laughs> yes. all the more. We we need him. And then Christian's the high school pastor. Hello, yeah, and happy to have you here. Would you guys
0: got any big uh, any big plans this weekend? Anything kind of wild happen last weekend? Yeah, or just... I had my first club softball game on Sunday night. Wow, Cl- it was perfect. We club played... soft. This so this sounds. Well, I don't know. Is that what it is? Rec L- softball? No, I don't know. What if club anything, means. it's church
2: league. Yeah, it's like rec league, church no, league. Rec league. Well, the
0: team we were playing against <laughs> were called the Bleacher. Preachers, so shout out to whatever church you guys go to. Um, <laughs> preacher, preacher. I didn't hear them swear a single time, oh, so I was wow. like, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes people don't represent the church yeah. that well, yes, but they were like all wearing the same uniforms. We were just in random blue shirts. Mm-hmm. Oh, There's wow. another team we saw warming up, their jerseys looked like the Mean Machine ones from uh, Longest Yard, and they were like smoking cigarettes and stuff in the corner. Um, <laughs> we don't condemn that. I know, I remember playing against teams that would have like
2: Bringing out like boxes of course Lights, and yeah. stuff. just it's you know yeah, you're like, well, this is getting
0: dangerous. That's a yeah, yeah. In the in the last inning, we were down one run, okay, and got the one one run we needed on a sack fly Whoa. to tie the game. So wow, you you, so you hit, hit that? I did not hit it. I, I I got a double earlier it, on. You ran in for uh, the sack? I was not on the field at oh, the time, okay. <laughs> but but I was backing up the first base coach. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well done, man. Yeah. Did you end in a tie? we ended in a tie it's a time thing Ooh. so when the time's up they just end um, after that batter so yeah. dang that's wild that's what's your team name the empire strikes out <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait. Yes.
0: Yeah. Pretty good. We're getting jer- We're getting shirts made with a <laughs> little Death Star really on them. That's really good. Yeah. He looked at me with a little bit of like.
1: Oh no. I know. I like, thought it was going to be like not okay. I know.
2: I know. I oh no! Fun. No! 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 But yeah, it's just it's embarrassing.
1: Like little Star Wars. So yeah. what's your like current roster situation? Like we got, do you need mm, more. We probably
0: have an oh. even ten right now. So you're looking for that 11-12 or, Everyone's or, allowed to bat too. You just obviously can't have everyone in the field. But okay. Mm so bobby's seems to be angling for a spot on this team yeah we could try have you try out maybe <laughs>
2: i remember when we had the O'Neaters, which was ours the one hit one shout wonders. out yeah oh, yeah. Okay. yeah 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 O'Neaters. don't did you ever see that thing you do no classic yeah, movie. Gosh, the youths gosh, of today just not from uh, california are yeah you? <laughs> is that kind of like pokemon or <laughs> it's actually an awesome movie that thing you do with tom
1: hanks with tom hanks it's one of the best movies ever yeah, anyway. It's about a one-hit wonder band from the yep. 60s. Very
0: cool, very cool, very Yeah, cool. so they're called the
2: Oneaters, so we call ourselves the Oneaters. Was, gotcha, because so you get time.
0: one hit, yep. and it's wonderful. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh,
2: so, so you don't need another roster spot. Oh, yeah, we always needed a backup guy, though. We always needed someone that you could call in uh, when three yeah. people say they're sick. Yes, day. Right. that's
0: true. And uh, uh, we had a guy filling in pitching, so there might be – you you, you a decent underhand pitcher. Yeah, pitching and – and slow pitch is terrifying. It's Actually, it's it's really scary. That yeah. ball
1: gets ripped up like yeah, it yeah. it's just terrifying. Can you put a little movement on it? Do they do a net? <laughs> they don't do the a before net? the pitcher? No, come yeah. on. What are you come talking on. about? Come you on. You know, like when you Would throw back batting... you? Yeah. Okay, so on. Bobby, you we might. Got a glove. I played third base in slow pitch, and it that is comes
2: fast. Terrifying. Oh, my dad got his
0: jaw broken playing third base. Yeah, I have no fall doubt; fall. it's absolutely terrifying. All right,
2: well, so uh, let's go ahead and move on from this topic. Okay. Oh. Yeah. oh, is that a call from a listener? Go ahead. Okay, you're on the long
0: time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Hi,
2: this is Rachel. The ba- yeah, the baby's coming. Uh, the baby's coming. <laughs> so Robert might walk Whoa. out on our podcast. I guys. might leave,
1: guys, out of protest. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, my wife, my sweet, beautiful wife, Rachel. Is like I don't know forty weeks pregnant, thirty nine weeks, whatever. Rat. She's due July first, yeah. which is in f- four days. Wow! So man. Wow. she is very That's pregnant. That's Canada Day, and pre-
2: you're gonna have a Canadian baby. How do you feel about that? <laughs> How do we feel about having a Canadian spy on our staff? Yeah. By the way, Christian. if you don't know, listener, Christian is Canadian by blood
0: or by contract. Both. Both. Blood, blood contract. Actually, uh, my parents were both born there. Yeah, born there. Wow. My mom was born in Wales. I moved there when she was a kid. Actually, my Whoa. dad was born there. I was born there. So you're, you I were am, born there. Okay. I'm also proudly American, and I am humbly Canadian. <laughs> Aren't they all a dual citizen? Right? Yes, that's nice. My parents were both born in Canada as well. That's cool, man. So I not on. know that. Both of them. Yeah, wow. my brother and sister were also. Oh my goodness. Yep. You're so diverse. I was born in Fullerton. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: pretty exciting.
1: I um, was born in Modesto, California. I'm sure, you guys heard of that
2: one? Yeah, yeah Central r- Valley. Yeah, it's pretty much like one of the terrible places of the world. I feel it's like it's just you know pretty warm. I Cause, don't know because like Modesto, Bakersfield, like there's lots of cool things that you can drive to from there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not, close to some stuff. You but. ended up living somewhere cool.
1: Yeah, Sonora, small town up in the hills. Yes. Anyways, yeah. yeah, like uh, wine country, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's so, funny because people, whenever I say Sonora, people are like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. Wine country, right? I'm like, no, that's Sonoma. Uh, we're gold country, you know, the hills, queen of the southern mines, if you will. Is, I, is that Sonomas? why you wear so
2: many chains? <laughs> I, I've actually exactly panned it. for gold in Sonora with my kids. Yes, there you go. And it was pretty fun. And Ella made friends with this guy that had the like old. Like uh, sort of you know fake pioneer guy or yeah, whatever prospector and he stuff. Had prospector guy and he had one arm and Ella Ooh. was like other kids were kind of like scared you know yeah you know, little kids get like scared of something mm. different yeah. or whatever yeah. and then Ella was just like right in there and she was like his little oh my gosh I almost said something else but like uh, what were you gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say right hand man <laughs> that uh, seems bad oh. <laughs> but it was just assistant sure, what sure. I meant yeah. to say oh yep okay. So, <laughs> But that was the story that you told
0: was how Jesus healed that guy. So that was pretty cool. That's true. Yes. He had a, he had a withered hand. Yes, he, he didn't. He was missing the hand. But... Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right. That's so let's get into a little bit of what we did this week, though. It was a somewhat. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like a somewhat unique Sunday in that we sort of didn't just preach the sermon. We kind of kicked off a bit of like some thoughts of some things we've been thinking about more mm-hmm. as a church when it comes to discipleship. So, maybe just like, I don't know. I was just like, I was thinking about how can we talk a little bit more about that? Because this whole story was right where Jesus prayed all night, then he picks the 12. Um, We can talk about any like thoughts or questions like throughout that from you guys if you have them, but or just like, how did this maybe even trigger some thoughts for you about discipleship? And then, you know, the three of us, along with a couple others on staff, have really been kind of diving into this topic for the last several months, I would say. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know any kind of thoughts to kick us off here, guys, or questions.
1: I think the thing that stood out to me and I think generally comes up when we talk about discipleship, discipleship of Jesus or with Jesus is the, the size situation and the amount of people kind of situation. Yeah. Um, I just think it's really interesting that the way that Jesus modeled his ministry was a blend of all sizes of people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or all sizes of groups of people. I think it's, <laughs> That's sizes sizes. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. <laughs> no. I'm grateful. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> um, I think it's, uh, there's a tendency in the Protestant church today to be on the extremes when it comes to discipleship or what it means to follow Jesus of like, Either it needs to be this way in like kind of a mega church vibe, or it mm-hmm. needs to be like a house church, and that's and it's just kind of like it's one or the other, there's no like middle ground, there's no mm. like, and not only that, but it's like both sides seem to be like opposed to each other, like right. you're doing it wrong because of the size of people yeah. you have, or the amount of people that you have in your gathering, or right. whatever. And they both kind of say that about each other, and so I just think it's interesting that Jesus. Doesn't model that he models like a blend of all of that, you know, and shows, um, shows ministry being done in all of those situations with all those different types of people. So I just think it's a, it's a fascinating place to put ourselves in that we can't necessarily just use, like, can't just use the numbers of people as like a crutch to be like, Oh, like that, that's wrong because of this many people or that many people. Like clearly Jesus is not concerned with that. And it's not necessarily opposed to a specific number but it is interesting that he clearly invested in a particular number of people more than others and i just think that is a very interesting um challenge for us uh that there's nothing wrong with gathering in certain amounts of numbers but there does seem to be something special about in his case the 12 Mm -hmm. um and so what does that mean for us so Mm -hmm. i don't know that was interesting
2: yeah, I, I agree, because it's there. it does seem to say, like, it's a good thing to want to draw in the crowds. Like, the crowds need to be able to see and hear from Jesus or about Jesus, let's say. But, like, if it stops there, that's not enough, right? And, and like, yeah, it is interesting what you said about how both some, sometimes groups can kind of look down on each other as if, like, the large mega churchy kind of people, which I sometimes feel, I think we're like a large church, not a mega church, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, but, or sometimes people would call this like a mini mega church. Um, mm. so like, that's where it's like, then it's like, say, Oh, you guys just don't have more people. Cause you're not, you're not good. Right. At, you're not good at this, right. you know. And those mm-hmm. people are like, no, you have that because you're arrogant and full of yourself, right. and uh, and just are into the show mm-hmm. um, yeah. and go soft on sin and you know whatever yeah, exactly. that kind of thing. And yeah. so, yeah, I get that, but it's like, yeah, but it's like even I know if I'm talking to a hundred people, it's a little harder for me to be really specific about their needs than it is if I'm with three people, right? right? Mm. Like I yeah. can dig into like their stuff. I can be maybe even a little more direct on like sin or stuff they're dealing with, you know, when it comes to that. So, and I I think the, what I've found particularly helpful right
1: now in like leading groups or just having conversations with people is giving space for the pushback. Mm -hmm. I love to hear the ways people are, want to push back against what I've said Mm. or want to like ask questions about it. And in the largest of situations, you don't get that opportunity, but in small situations you do get that opportunity. And I think that pushback and questioning, at least for me, I know that that's how I work out a truth and whether or not I'm understanding it or not. Mm -hmm. So if I can't engage that way, I have a hard time actually understanding it. And so um, I think a smaller like group, you know, the 12 or whatever gives an opportunity for that. So I just, you know I think it's brilliant I actually thought like did Jesus steal this like marketing strategy from somebody <laughs> like was there already like a clear like hey if you want to spread the word you want to like break it into chunks yeah. or was he the first one to do it in this kind of way or you know it's interesting obviously I think like Socrates the way that he taught was like in small groups kind of thing with lots of questions and stuff like that so the
0: Socratic method
2: whoa wow. thanks for your contribution <laughs> hey Christian <laughs> yeah. this is Christian signing on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think even Socrates, though, has had, like, these times as he's in the Agora or whatever, like, in the public forum, just kind of, like, speaking out to everybody. Right. And then it was, like, other mm-hmm. times when it was a little more back and forth. It might have been back and forth even in that context. But right. I remember that was a pretty kind of big area. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, it's just, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Because I know in, like, even in the Old Testament, like, the way that sort of how... God was, like, a God of, like, order in some way of, like, people with, like, the tribes, you know, when they were wandering in the desert, even, how they would, like, have their, the tribes and their camps would be set up in, like, certain ways and certain spots around the tabernacle. And I don't know. It seems like then those people, oh, then the whole uh, Jethro advice to Moses thing about, like, you should have these judges or whatever appointed Mm -hmm. to, like, listen to the needs of the people in smaller chunks. Like, it's not good Mm -hmm. that Moses was just sitting there, like, listening to all of them. Yeah. And probably just overwhelmed Mm -hmm. so you see some of that like throughout the even in the Old Testament I guess a little bit it wasn't quite sort of quote-unquote discipleship necessarily Um, yeah I just
1: it puts forth a good question of like how best to put how best to instruct a group of people and especially mm -hmm. how best to instruct a a group of people towards transformation and I think like you just mentioned those examples of like Mm -hmm. yes there's room for the big Conversations or big instruction or big, you know, mm-hmm. corporate thoughts and gatherings. But they're definitely, obviously, in human history and we see in discipleship, I think there needs to be a move down to the smaller groups in order for something to be digested well and then for transformation to come.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a, the temptation, or as you were teaching on it, a lot of if you're running a ministry, then often you are on a platform talking to a lot of people Mm -hmm. and maybe Bobby it's a bit different because you get to meet with life group leaders but then you think well that's my role is to to address the flock and then you have less time to individually meet with members of it and but it's just it'd been on my mind sort of like ah who are some people I'm investing in more uh intentionally um and you can't maybe do that with such a wide scope. There's like a realism in selecting the 12 and the three. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just led me to reflect on who are those three people or those 12 people Mm -hmm. and not just to think, well, my role is over this whole ministry. Therefore, if I've taught the whole ministry now, I've, I've checked off my discipleship requirement. Yeah. And so it just led me to think, I mean, as your invitation was to pray through who are the few who i can invest in more intentionally and 12 beyond that yeah um and i imagine like huge church small church maybe that's some of the temptation is you think well i have this big church that i'm addressing and that's and that's my responsibility and now i don't have to do it as individually with people so like not only are you not doing this sort of building people up passing it off like moses but i even wonder if it's good for us to be close to people to I just feel like Jesus is very tangible. Like he's very he's appro- he's approachable. He is real. He's not trying to hide. And you can't just like show up on Sunday, and teach, but then the rest of your week you're you're kind of in solitude, unknown by people. Like mm-hmm. he's constantly known by these people mm-hmm. around him, mm-hmm. and that, you know, Jesus might have been all right doing that, but I think that's even a good check for us. Like, am I? Yeah. If you're running a ministry, do people still know you? Are you investing in people more? Uh, yeah, it directly? feels like
1: it feels like one kind of fuels the other. I know for me, it's hard for me to connect with a speaker if I don't have any relational credibility, credit with that person. Yeah. If I don't know them well, like unless they're like a super charismatic, just well, amazing anointed preacher, teacher, whatever, any kind of speaker, unless I have some kind of connection for, with them, it's hard for me to like hear them because I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily know. Like, what are their stories based in? What are their, you know, oh, whatever. Oh, where oh. on the inverse, when I am connected to the to the speaker, I feel so much more like um, willing to go where they want to lead, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's just interesting to think about that. Like Jesus is with kind of moving in and out of these different circles and sizes of, of groups of people. And just the relational credit that he had with all of these followers is just, like, kind of remarkable to think about because, mm-hmm. like, he was doing miracles for them, and he was they were seeing this, and he was teaching them, and he was with, like, he was truly, like you said, with them, like, all the time. Yeah, all so when time. he got up to say something, you know, like, when he got up to give the Sermon on the Mount or something like that, like, I don't know, there's just, like... Oh wait, he's, he's telling us to do this stuff, but like we see him do this stuff. So it's like, it's not like this, Uh you know, I think sometimes we have the picture of Jesus giving these messages and it's like, yeah, he just like comes out of his office, hasn't seen anybody in a while. And (laughs) it's just like, I'm just going to give this great talk on the, you know, Mount of Olives or whatever. And then goes back into seclusion. like, nobody's, it's like, no, he's like living out these words that he's bringing. And I think that's like that, that is what fuels
0: that discipleship kind of fire so Mm -hmm. early on, which I think is interesting. I also think that it gives him some perspective because you, he's not concerned with maintaining the crowd. And I think that's also a temptation, like Mm -hmm. in a, in a church, you're speaking to a big crowd and you're like, well, that's the success is if there's a lot of people here hearing me. And then people would come and many people come and listen to him. And then a bunch of them would be like, what do you mean we have to eat your flesh? I'm not into that. And then they're gone. And then (laughs) the disciples stick around and they say, well, tell us what you mean by that. Right. And, But he has this long view of I'm I'm establishing a new kingdom. I'm going to establish a church. I need leaders who are going to be equipped and empowered to do that, and that's why I need to disciple them. And I wonder if it. He's like I don't I don't need to pander to keeping this big audience. Right. I hmm. have this long view of establishing my church, and to do that, I need these few who are really, really committed mm-hmm. to me and to this future mission and. Like you said, Eric, willing to suffer for it, not just mm-hmm. you guys are especially blessed, but they they are committed to me and the truth. So I even, yeah, he, but is there a freedom from me just kind of clinging to the crowd when you are, when you have this core group of people who are committed to the mission mm-hmm. and are being equipped to become leaders? Yeah. I,
2: yeah, I think it's really interesting to think about 12 because not wow. even just for the sort of biblical like reasons of why twelve tribes and mm-hmm. yeah. you know tribes of Israel yeah. and all that, but numerology. If you <laughs> that's where you're going, right? Yeah, yeah. Just kind of go for some of that. No, but just think about yeah, because twelve hours a day, you know, in the first half of the day, and then you like do the next twelve. No, no, not not about that. <laughs> uh, but I do think it it would be so hard to only focus on 12, 12 kind of sounds like a lot, but if you said for the next three years, and I think about things like, oh man, okay, well, our pastoral staff has like 25 people, Right. the elder board has like 14 people, Uh, so just those, so if, you know, even if I was just like, oh, okay, in my job, I work closely with the elders, and that's who Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to work with, and really, and then that's gonna pour out from there, or something, and it was the elders only, that's still, more than 12 (laughs) that's kind of crazy right so like to hone in like imagine how hard that those choices could be like if you actually said okay my life's gonna be about trying to just be present with you know helping when i can 12 people only yeah that's wild yeah it would be pretty crazy
1: that's like a very fascinating just thought experiment even but for how we certainly uh a mirror to the way that we do ministry in churches. Like Mm -hmm. I think it for sure begs the question of like, are we set up correctly to do that? Well, Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was thinking when you were talking, I was Christian, I was thinking of high school. It was like, like it it would feel weird if we told Christian to pick 12 and (laughs) invest in them for the four years that they're there and then pick another 12 kind of thing. Um, But at the same time, it's (laughs) like, I don't know. Like,
2: <laughs> would it be have better fruit? You know, would it have better fruit? Long-term like, would, the, fruit. would those yeah.
1: twelve then invest in their peers on a long term or whatever it is? But yeah, wow, um, that's wild. I think that that question you asked Eric is really interesting. It would it would be so hard to yeah. hone in on twelve because yeah. I'm the same way. I have a ton of connections volunteers, I have a ton of life group volunteers, and then there's new people coming to church. Like, there's just yeah. so many people that we cross paths with, and it's like. Yeah, who do we like? Who do we pick? It makes that decision making all the harder. Um, and mm-hmm. and I do think in our current ministry context, it almost feels like it clashes a little bit because mm-hmm. we generally want to go after those followers that five hundred or five thousand or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's hard to just pick the smaller amounts. Yeah, both from like a. Um, just uh, we want success kind of metric, but then mm-hmm. also it's, I don't know. It's just hard. It's just hard to, to get that small. I think I
2: kind of wonder what kind of time, let's say the 70 or the one hundred and twenty or something like that got, right. right. There's these other, these other groupings. Cause they must've got a little more time than mm-hmm. just the crowds. Right. Mm-hmm. Or just the mm-hmm. like quote unquote followers, even right. that were just like the large, cause I think the followers are like hundreds probably. Right. Right. Like just kind of cruising around with them all the time. And, uh, Um, So, you know, I'm just like thinking like, man, how did we, I don't know, just how could we even think through that? And I know maybe even the three of us are kind of thinking through this like pastorally a little bit more than as a person that's not a pastor. Yeah. Um, But, you know, where you are just trying to think through who are these 12 people, but Mm -hmm. even if you think through your, if you are married and have kids, does that count? Does uh, (laughs) And then... You know, a couple couple people at work, a couple people close to you in your life. You're kind of like, that's like yes. who you should be pouring into. And then you hopefully mm-hmm. have room for a couple new people here and there, right? To be able to reach out to. The, the durations also interesting, too. Like, what right. if we did it in, like, three-year chunks? Or, right. like,
1: it was almost like a hate to use the word, but like a cohort kind of sense. A cohort yeah. of discipleship of, like, hey, we're going to invest yeah. for a few years specifically into these people. And then we're, it's, you know, it's a, yeah. a graduation or it's whatever. And then you go do the same, but the, it's certainly not an accident that Jesus did three years with 12 people. Right. Like, is that, is that a model for us? Is mm-hmm. that, a, you know, is that a, you know, high school is almost kind of set up in that way in the sense that That's you get true. it for four years and it's like, you are the primary yeah. shepherd in their lives for, for four years. I mean, with their parents alongside their parents, but um,
0: I don't know. It's an interesting model. It does obviously as we're thinking about like how Jesus disciples people, it just makes you reflect on what you could do today. But you're who is going to pick up their life and then follow you around every day? You know, you like right. go exactly. do things, right? Where like that's It'd that's a, like that's just, a great I'm, letter to write to parents. Be like, uh, I've chosen your child and they're gonna <laughs> yeah. quit high school. Yeah, and, but but I was like, Okay, so that's that the model that you see. Your life is just on the road with jesus doing what he's doing yeah so then and then we when we think about discipleship today it's not a bad thing we just think i'll try to get coffee with you once a week or once every other week Mm -hmm. and and talk Mm -hmm. about what's going on and you're just like okay that's maybe a great place to start but like it just feels like that's scratching the surface Mm -hmm. um and even how much of maybe discipleship should involve the non-spiritual things the non-church things like your normal life teaching them how to live it unto the glory of god um Like just, are you just over for dinner with the family Mm -hmm. and and witnessing normal life in that household or experiencing bad customer service? And how do you, how how do you you respond to life as it comes (laughs) at you? Right. So that's where, and then traffic, I don't.
2: (laughs) And that's why when I was talking about the, you
1: know, when Jesus is giving the beatitudes, it's not like just some. It's not some message that they haven't. They've seen it embodied through yeah. him. So yeah. it's not like they've seen the bad customer service and how Jesus would <laughs> respond. You know, yeah. it's not like they're just. He's. They're not. They're not just hearing words. You know, and, and but he had so much time with them, so he could embody everything that he was telling them. Right, so that's just, right. I
2: don't know. That's why it does seem this along the way, and as you go, thing is so important. But how can we? incorporate that in a world where we're just not really going to be able to have people live with us. Like right. that's pro that's just not like a reality that's going to happen. Um, that's uh, one of the things I, I say
1: with life groups is we're essentially trying to recreate the like first century <laughs> yeah. marketplace, you know, household vibe where you just were constantly with like your family. Mm -hmm. You were constantly with other people in your little community or kibbutz or Mm -hmm. whatever it was. And that's just not the case anymore. And so as pastors, at least in the church, we're trying to essentially recreate opportunities for these life connections Mm -hmm. that just so rarely exist
2: today because of the rhythm of our our life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one thing too that they saw which was interesting, like right before the Sermon on the Mount was this story in in the Luke, you know, in the Luke flow. And so these guys all just saw Jesus like pray all night. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then, you know, whatever that looked like. And and then he's like, Okay, now pray like this. And so they're kinda like, Oh dang, yeah, he he does this. He doesn't pray like the like the religious leaders, or he doesn't pray like the the person Mm -hmm. trying to look cool. You know, he I've seen the way he prays. And, yeah, and soli- in solitude, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and so it is interesting even, I don't know, just any kind of thoughts on that methodology of this pray this pray first methodology? Because that was kind of like the core point of the sermon, I guess, whereas mm-hmm. like discipleship is kind of like this broader thing that we're trying to encourage people to like have someone you're discipling and have someone that's discipling you. But um, that pray all night part, I don't know, anything stand out for you guys or questions or
0: thoughts on that that aspect it's a big choice to choo- well, for Jesus to spend a few years with someone. I think for us it's like I, I, I feel like it's just do that or take a day and pray about that. That's that's a that's a serious thing. And often I think we we get a charge, we'll hear go make disciples. Like mm-hmm. all of us are going to make disciples and we think, okay, yeah, I, I should do that. And and but what's kind of the step? Yeah. And are there, and it could be joining a ministry that does that. And like yeah. we have awesome leaders who disciple students in high school ministry, middle school yeah. b- below, Right. It could be the step, but, um, it could also be I'm going to pray and see who the Lord wants me to connect with and see if they might also want to meet right. with me right? and pick three people. I just felt, I just felt like that was a, that was a good idea. Go spend a bunch of time in prayer and, connect with the people who the Lord brings to your mind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: I know it I don't, it's like so funny because I just think like people don't actually do that. Right? Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, the prospect <laughs> of like the idea of
1: actually praying all night for a monumental decision yeah. sounds so foreign to me and I think to most people. Yeah. Like I know that when I have big big decisions or things on my mind that are like coming up, it's like I'll kind of move in and out of that prayer like throughout the day or some or the weeks yeah. or whatever it is. But the idea of like spending, which I'm sure Jesus did too. I'm sure he wasn't like, oh yeah, I got to do that. I got to cram for that disciple picking, you know, Mm -hmm. thing. I'm just going to stay up all night tonight, (laughs) all nighter. You know, we've all done that. Um, So I'm sure he's moving in and out of it, but then dedicated an entire night before, you know, presumably going to do that. Um, I think that is such a model of humility and dependence um, of how to make these kind of decisions and how to seek the Lord in these in these kinds of ways. So if again you you were kind of postulating like what what did that look like? What was yeah. that prayer like? What was that kind of if any if not for anything it, it models just what posture we should have when it comes to things in our life, whether it's petition or yeah. repentance or whatever of this total humility of saying, Lord, like I come to you all night or for an extended period of time, uh-huh. admitting that I don't know necessarily what to do or what's coming, but you can give that to me. So I'm just going to show you, I'm going to show up, um, asking for, for your spirit to reveal to me, you know, what to do. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the, yeah, what it models for us again, I think because of our pace of life and how are just what's going on just the concept of that it just seems so foreign yes yeah. giving you know what's a night eight hours of, of prayer right, in right. a room i just feel like i'd be so distracted and moving moving in and out of like you know okay i just prayed for 30 minutes and not like what am i going to think about now how do you just mm-hmm. like so um i just think it's a very it's just an incredible model for us um But I know that for me, it it feels almost impossible. Like that feels – it feels like it'd be – it almost feels like it'd be unproductive because at at some point I would just be like exhausted or my mind would be wandering or I'd be you know, just like,
2: this is just too hard. I I do think it is a little bit of that what is prayer kind of um, Mm -hmm. question then when we get into this, which I know I tried to talk about a little bit, but it is like this – sense that prayer isn't just saying your needs. Cause one thing I was even thinking about mm-hmm. saying, and I forgot to say it was just like trying to imagine, like, is Jesus just sitting there saying, dear, dear father, please yeah. tell me the disciples I should pick, Right, dear father, please tell me the disciples <laughs> I should pick, uh-huh. dear father. Like, is, I mean, like, what is it, what does it mean to pray all night? I don't think yeah. it means you just keep talking. Right, And so, yeah, like there's they're, they're silence, there's just being with, There's intimacy. I I really do think that it could be this in and out of sleep kind of thing is fine. Like praying all night doesn't Mm -hmm. equal. I think we just beat ourselves up with like what we like what we imagine this would be and what it should be for us. Like what it was for Jesus. Like was Jesus just perfectly praying? I mean, he does hassle the the disciples on like the night he was betrayed. He hassles them a little bit about like stop falling asleep. Right. Mm -hmm. but that was a little more, like, kind of maybe a little more intense moment. But I was uh, wondering, are these
0: the two <laughs> events in which he prays all night? He'll go off early in the morning to pray. But I'm like, I'm mm. wondering if there's another. I know. I'm trying to remember. That's recorded. Yeah. I mean, he prayed. Yeah. I don't know. I'd also uh, imagine. I mean, he's he's a single guy. You know, 30 doesn't have kids. <laughs> like, he's got some, you know, energy. Right? Can got he, some and, energy. And and like the, the thing he has to I'll do the next day eat? is pick the disciples. So. Is it like, oh my gosh, I got my big presentation at work tomorrow and like, you know, <laughs> stable night or my kids are not, I'll have to be awake to feed them or whatever. Right. Could Did God you, talk to you if you took a day to pray? You know, like. Could he have slept from like five to 8 Just got a few A, few a little pre-nap. But yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> Once the sun came up, you took a
1: nap because work doesn't start till you know, 10 in yeah, Galilee. Yeah, so, yeah, so exactly.
0: <laughs> Obviously, it shows that this is very significant. Like, it, with yes. this and the Garden of Gethsemane, yeah. it's like, this is right. very significant right. and I and I need the Lord's guidance on this choice. Um, so there's this night long preparation for that. Um, it's like, do, do you have to go do it at night? I think not necessarily, but take dedicated time to earnestly mm-hmm. ask who you should be discipling.
1: I think the question you asked of should, or what is prayer or what was he doing in prayer? Cause it says he prayed all night, mm-hmm. but Clearly, there was an expectation that he had that God was going to speak to him. Yeah. And so, like you said, that prayer is not just us going and like reading our lines and this is my wish list or this is what I need or whatever. Mm -hmm. Jesus went into that specific night and moment expecting an answer from God Mm -hmm. for the next day. And I just think that's a fascinating shift, at least in my own prayer journey as of the last, I don't know, five years, expecting that God can actually like speak to me, yeah. give me something back. Yeah. It, in order to do that, though, I have to be listening and uh-huh. I have to be like an imposter and available and understanding how he might speak and uh-huh. understanding the kinds of things he might say. Cause often I feel like maybe God said something, but it's just my voice or mm-hmm. sometimes the enemy is trying to distract me and it's something mm-hmm. else. But it's just interesting that he went into that moment saying like, Oh yeah, like I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm probably going to say something. Uh-huh. I'm going to be with my father. That's obviously a huge part of you uh-huh. know his life, but I'm also expecting to hear from him. Uh-huh. And that's just very, I know I am a, pretty loquacious human being and like to say a lot of words, I often don't go into prayer settings where I'm just like, okay, I'm ready to hear. Mm. I always feel like I have to say the right thing first Uh before god could speak something to me like i have to ask the right question oh or yeah like say it the
2: right way prime the pump yeah. the right way be like okay like am i in
1: the right okay now he'll speak you know that kind
2: of thing have acknowledged all these truths and now lord you are <laughs> yes. free to speak to me exactly i know i get in that I it's like, like that in my head too <laughs> open sesame kind of situation <laughs> yeah yeah oh man yeah i do think like i wonder if it's not like jesus also went into that night of prayer with just zero clue Mm-hmm. Like who he's going to choose probably. I don't know. Again, this is conjecture, but right. it's like maybe it was more like to get a piece about what he was sensing already. Yeah. Um. You know, maybe there's a few borderline guys, you know, whether like. Yeah, what if he was going to go for 14? Uh, you, you didn't quite make
0: the cut this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: The Michael yeah. Jordan
0: who, who got yeah. cut from the <laughs> JV from team, team. team and it came back. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> was exactly. That was Philip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, dude, that was uh, Matthias, right? Mathias. Yeah, the number guy that,
2: thirteen. Yeah, number thirteen, who got chosen by lots later
0: the rotation. I wonder if he's rotation he is player. Whole, yeah, that whole time he's like, that's dude, the other method. I all night praying, or just or roll, just roll, cast roll the dice. Lots. <laughs> we'll give you a list of everyone at church. When do you want to go
1: to college? <laughs> just either pray all night or cast lots.
2: <laughs> Remember, Diddy would always say this. Dave Mitchell would say this expression of temporary practice, timeless principle. So mm-hmm. when you're reading the Bible. Uh, there, It was a temporary practice. So it doesn't mean it's prescriptive exactly in its way, mm. but there's a timeless principle within it. And so I wonder if this is a little bit of one of those, like praying all night before a big decision or before you're gonna disciple someone. A, I don't know if that's like actually the point of the passage. Uh, at all, <laughs> at right? Some level, you right. know, like right. the passage isn't like a directions of how you should choose who you disciple necessarily. Right. I think we can kind of learn from that and be inspired by mm-hmm. that. But um, I think this was a it, this was a practice that Jesus did at that time, but it's a timeless principle that we should pray before big decisions that we have. Right, that we should seek the Lord for who we're gonna pour our lives into. I think that's important. So I don't know. That kind of helps. Me, it's one of those little sayings that still stuck in my head yeah. from, from the ditty.
0: I like that you mentioned, too, you, you spent all night just analyzing the resumes. Yeah. The qualifications by which other people would be judging them. But I do think that there's some mm. uh, intention into who he chose based on who they are, or maybe their capacity for faith or like Peter's boldness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. and, and so there were things in them that... Were probably reasons they were chosen, but not things that of the world, quote unquote, would judge as worthwhile. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know what the laundry list of those things are, but it's um, or even like being a fisherman. There's plenty of great qualities about that that you're that you're fearless, right. or that you are disciplined and determined, mm-hmm. or you understand what it's like to rely on the Lord for your provision. Right? Like, mm-hmm. what what about them? Did He see that? Resulted in those choices in their emotional capacities mm-hmm. and their personalities mm-hmm. and their their gifts that were just overlooked because they weren't as good at school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's but there really might good. have been Jeez. like
2: 120 of those, let's say, or 70 of those that were yeah. that kind of fit the qualifications. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, right now, how do I <laughs> get to the 12? Maybe, the that was, maybe that was the prayer part. Yeah. He's like, oh, man, I got I got my credentials down to 70.
0: <laughs> but it is when I, when I think scared. about my own life. I, yeah. I just think before. People started investing in me, and before I started to get to know the Lord, like, okay, maybe I was good at a couple things, but I certainly did not feel like I didn't like talking to people that much. I was Uh pretty shy. uh Um, Definitely not interested in speaking in public, and (laughs) definitely didn't feel like I was very knowledgeable about Scripture or whatever. I'm just like, I would would overlook myself. Like, I was just the the kid alone, shy in high school. But then... The Lord started, got to know me, and I got to know Him, and then there were people, mentors of mine, who invested in me and and grew something that wasn't previously there, and maybe they're like this baseline ability. Yeah, but it's just really humbling to go back and read about these disciples, but just I think in my own life that that I would have not picked me if if I was just looking for like the best and brightest, like I wouldn't have picked me, and we, well to To look at who someone could be, and even that, that could glorify God even more. To see that the weak um, put the strong to shame, because mm-hmm. yeah. you can see that it was God who did something, and mm-hmm. that He is going to be glorified. So, as you, I just think that was such a good thing to to bring up. As as we think, okay, who are who are my like all star people at our church? Um, who is everyone itching maybe to to pull into their their little discipleship group? Was like who who mm-hmm. could the Lord do a great work through? Who might be currently overlooked.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if Jesus, like you said, he he may not have gone into that night just like totally unknown. He's like, I'm only thinking about the, whatever, the 500. Mm-hmm. I got no names, God, <laughs> you know, give me somebody. He probably had some people on his mind. Yeah. Um, But I think what he models for us is like, you know, cliche, but the power of prayer in the sense of i think being open to what god might speak to us through prayer gives us the opportunity to make a decision that would seem unlikely mm-hmm. otherwise mm-hmm. and i think that's what's i think that's what's um apparent about jesus's unity with the father is that he often makes decisions that don't make sense to us mm-hmm. and sometimes i feel like we make a lot of decisions that do make sense and then, uh-huh. and and not that they're not that they're mutually excuse, exclusive uh-huh. but sometimes i wonder like are we petitioning god are we in such union with god that we have the space and capacity to make decisions that don't necessarily make sense because that's what god wants us to do and that's like a messy world to walk in i think a little bit but uh-huh. um how else do you explain like the son of God choosing 12 people that nobody else would choose, you totally. know? Oh, cause it was in direct unity and the will of the father to do so. Um, I think that's the challenge to each of us as well Is that sometimes, um, God wants us to do things that doesn't necessarily make sense. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean like bad decisions. It doesn't mean harmful decisions, yeah. like anything like that, but maybe it, it's something that doesn't make sense. And are we, Listening to the father aware of how he speaks enough to be able to hear right, that and right. then make that kind of decision
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's where he like uses the foolish things to you know to whatever at that verse is <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the to, f- Shame the wise yeah to shame yeah. the wise like yeah, um, yeah. and then uh, it's, it, it is just because it was so sort of counter cultural or counter like the the right way to do it or whatever of how disciples and rabbis would get connected. I just kind of love how Jesus yes. just is like, nah, them. I'm not doing it your guys' way. That, was,
0: that, was, that was a fun detail to it, learn about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just like,
2: it's interesting how he's constantly turning things upside down and taking all these, because that's another, it kind of even relates to your sermon from the week before about, hey, these are some, they're not inherently bad things that they've done, but they've just added so much to the law and now it's like they're so imprisoned by just more and more law, 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 and even if it's like not law to them, but just like more policies and procedures, you know, of how they do school and how they do rabbis and all that. But it's just like, man, they're so caught up in their systems and their structures. And trust me when I say we have to point those fingers right back, like at my myself or right. us, like of how we can get so caught up in like how we do church or whatever and like what would jesus wwjd right what would jesus (laughs) do like how would he walk into our churches and just kind of blow things up absolutely which is
0: like this is the way we've done it wait you can't you can't not do it that way yeah what do you this is how you do it yeah like this forever and then he's like well no i can do what i want actually yeah and yeah and that's even i think as we think about discipleship right like perhaps there is something that is not currently being done. That is the new way that God right. wants to usher in discipleship in a greater capacity in our church. And, and and just where where are we willing to to look beyond? Well, this is how we have done it, or this is what worked previously. Yeah, but like, what is He doing now? I think
1: that as I th- like as I think about what does Jesus want to do for like on the large scale for discipleship it happens on an individual basis and the thing that's been like floating around in my mind about like how to become more a disciple of Jesus mm-hmm. is to take that which i talked about this last time but take that which most defines you or tries to most define you and release that to Jesus and put that under his Lordship. Mm-hmm. And therefore like that's denying yourself, right. And picking up your cross and following him. And so in, in that way, the the message of discipleship is universal to all people, but then it's also specific to everybody because that thing that vies most for our attention and tries to define us changes for everyone. Um, and so I just think it's interesting that, Um, like when we look at scripture, like I, the rich one, the, the, the rich young ruler comes to mind. Like, he's like, I've done everything basically that a disciple of Jesus would do. What else do I need to do? And he's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's just one thing. It's just one thing that actually controls your life. It's your wealth. Go sell (laughs) it all and follow me. Um, and so it's just interesting that he goes at that thing, um, that, you know most defines us. So when you ask the question like what you know what what would Jesus what would Jesus do if he walked into our churches and be like hey this is what's going on. In some yeah. ways I think it would be similar. He would look at on a large scale everyone say take up your cross and follow me, but a specific way he would say what's that thing? What's that defining thing in your life yeah, yeah. that you that it has lordship over you that you have not given to me. You need you, that's what you have to give up
2: mm-hmm. to follow me. And it might not even mean that thing is bad or that everybody then has like the rich young girl story, right? Like it yeah. maybe doesn't mean that everybody has to give up all their wealth and follow him. But for mm-hmm. him, that guy, that was the thing he was only holding on to. And so it's like, you know, if he was asking, you know, me to give up whatever, I don't know, surfing or something. Yeah. Like I should, you know, yeah. I don't know. I try to think of like, what's this thing that you yeah. love? You have to, you have to give up to mm-hmm. listening to you two and follow me. Jesus says, you <laughs> yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, totally. um, you know, Christian. I guess SpongeBob or something. I don't know yeah. really what he cares about. Exactly. It's hard to tell. Um, what does Christian care about?
0: <laughs> Just God.
2: This week
1: on um, <laughs> this week on what Christian cares about. Christian, um, what do you care about? Softball, board games, board softball, games, yeah. hanging out, you know. board games kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. I I I think that's. I don't know. That's kind of the which I which I think is interesting. You mentioned this as well on Sunday, Eric, but like. They, these guys didn't win the lottery and getting to come follow yeah. Jesus, which they didn't know at the time Yeah, because really this is a redemptive story for them. Cause they weren't, mm-hmm. they weren't going to be disciples. They didn't have a rabbi. And then that transforms like, mm-hmm. you know, they're a little bit older they're, mm-hmm. they're They're already working their jobs or apprentices or whatever, and they get redeemed. And so all of a sudden there's just like excitement, but they don't know what's like coming down the road. And so, it is fascinating um, that Jesus calls them <laughs> to, you know, to pick up their cross and follow him. Um, and again, they don't really know what that means. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting that for those first disciples, like he he was asking something very um heavy of them and they kind of understood that the more and more as they followed him and then ultimately after he died and then ultimately yeah, Yeah. they did their own ministries and you know that they that became more realized in their lives i do think it's interesting that for us or i'll say for me i often feel like um or I have, the, like, I'm asking myself, well, what is Jesus asking of me, you know? Yeah. Um, which that can often turns into transactional discipleship for mm-hmm. me, where it's like, oh, I just need to figure out that one thing that Jesus wants for me, and then I'll give him that, and then we're good. I'm a good disciple. He's a loving father, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But there is a sense, I think, of in the church today that Jesus doesn't ask us much or ask for much of us when it comes to discipleship, you know, almost like a cheapening of it. I don't know. Mm. Like, I think of, like, costly discipleship and things like that. And Yeah. Obviously, we live in a different world than first century Israel, but it's also like, <laughs> is there mm-hmm. a cost to our discipleship? Have we given something up? Is there an exchange? You know, something like that. Right.
2: That's where I get concerned because I get like, concerned that I'm more a religious leader than uh, uh, in the Bible than I am one of the 12. Because mm-hmm. like... I don't know. We're thought of as, I feel like our jobs are generally honorable. You know what I mean? It feels like a cool thing to be able to be a pastor. It's getting less and less that way. I think culturally right? probably within the church, it still feels a little bit that way. Like it's a place of honor. Yeah. Whereas like, to the world, it's kind of like you do what you like yeah. your job is to yeah. follow a fairy tale. You're a bigot, you know? you're, yeah. you're a bigot yeah, you're for a living. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you played dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, I, there is like some of that, but I do, I do want to always, I'm always trying to check like, am I a Pharisee mm. or am I an apostle? Like, what am I like? Or one of the 12, like, am mm. I falling into like which camp, you know, and make sure I'm trying to like double check. I mean, and even the, the disciples struggled with pride and power and prestige, you know, their position and do we get to sit at your right hand and all of that. So it's like a, it's a universal kind of struggle for some of that, like that some of those people have, Mm -hmm. but they seem to be teachable. Whereas the religious leaders were not teachable. Hence they were a disciple, a learner, a student. Yes. Um, I think too, just to transition us a little bit here, um, then it was like, Hey guys, this is what we need to be doing with our lives as a church, and like as people part of this church, that we now need to go pray about it and actually do this. Cause I'm, I feel like what God is calling our church to be about is less spectator ministry and more and less uh, pastor expert kind of to people ministry, you know, but more yeah. to one another kind of ministry. And so that's kind of like the potential not potential, sorry. That's like just the sort of shift that was announced at some level that we want to be about. Um, but we just
0: need to keep talking about it now. But, and so with that, you also, it seemed very important to communicate. So many people disqualify themselves from the capacity to Mm -hmm. disciple people. And I just feel like that could be worthwhile this because, because you mentioned that and you just had a moment of encouragement. Yeah. But it's like, okay, well, I don't know what, what does equip us to be a disciple, I guess. And, and how do I know like where to start with that? I could stay all stable night praying and then they put three names on my mind. Um, but then I don't know, like what do I do and how do I know if I am ready for that or not? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I look at the 12 at least. And I think about this,
2: like what qualified them was being with Jesus for a little while. <laughs>
1: Yeah, right. Absolutely.
2: And so at some level, like, how can we be with Jesus for a little, like, don't expect you get saved. And it's just like, you're starting to like disciple other yeah. people the next day. <laughs> you probably are helping. You're all, you are on mission to make disciples because you're telling people, I guess you've, it's, it's this whole giving away what you receive thing. Right. So it's like at that point you've received the good news and salvation. And so yeah. all you have to give away is that. Yeah. And so that's what you see people giving away, right? Mm, At that right, point, just like evangelism, like evangelism, evangelism. Yeah, yeah. Cause it's just like, man, that's, well, it's almost all I got to give. <laughs> and, yeah. and then I think that's like our mindset is, okay, well, let me reflect. I'm, I'm being with Jesus. I'm in prayer. I'm reflecting. And then I reflect on, okay, what have I received then from others or from God? Now I can give that away. Like that's yeah. how I can disciple. And so even part of what we want to be, you helping people think through and process through in the month of July as a start. And, but then ongoing is like, okay, well, let's actually like write that down or check off some boxes, like on a list, like thinking through, like, here are some things I've actually received. Oh, okay. Yeah. I could give these 25 things away. Like I Hmm. actually have a bunch of things I've received. Right. So I think that can be some of the how, Um, you know, I, while trying, cause I, I want us to have a, how, while also keeping it kind of chill and organic at some level, you know, without over-programming. But we need to have some programming and like right. some mm. equipping. Equipping's not bad. Equipping mm. is good. But how do we do that mm. without just, like, hyper-pharisaically structuring it, you know? Yeah. But I think that's some of it. So I we'll, we'll keep talking about it. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting um...
1: – just the idea of what qualifies you to like be a disciple and stuff. And we live in a, like a hyper qualification based society where it's like, I'm not going to listen to you unless you have whatever this degree or certification or amount of followers, or like we have just so many levels of, of what it means to be like an expert on something. And you see in these early followers of Jesus that they did not have any qualification except that they uh-huh. were present and 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 had intimacy with Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, and there was, I don't know, there's almost like a messiness to it because I think of like the followers when he sends out the seventy or whatever, and he says like, "All right, I'm not even dead yet." The Holy Spirit hasn't come upon you, but I want you to go out and, like, do ministry in my name, mm-hmm. right? And so there's, like, peop, there's two-by-twos going out, and they're, like, mm-hmm. casting out demons, and yeah. it's, like, amazing, right? And then some of them come back, and they're, like, hey, Jesus, like, we tried this, but it didn't work this way with these people. He's, like, oh, like, let me tell you how to do that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah This yeah. is, like, an uncomfortable amount of um, like lack authority. of certification, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Especially yeah. in our church today, if we were to take people who were that new in the faith or that or whatever you yeah. want to call it, yeah. it's like and then send them out to do ministry like that would just absolutely ruffle the feathers of most people in the church today. Like yep. we, they would not be able to handle that yet. Jesus seems to be comfortable with the fact that. He passes on authority to these people and says, "Hey, you can go do this in my name, and and it'll happen." You know, that's that's
2: like a that's a mind blowing shift. I think it is. Um, I was just so I was just recently, and I don't want to talk too much about it in detail, but I was watching the Hillsong documentary. mm -hmm. So this documentary on Hillsong Church out of Australia and just like a lot of negative things that have happened out of that, and some bad things that some of the leadership has done, and things like that. But one of the things they were talking about within it was um they would say this expression to these like brand new people which I actually like but they were talking negatively about it okay so huh, there was huh. this expression of god doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called yeah, huh. which i actually like love totally but then what was happening within within hillsong was they were placing people with like no spiritual maturity or, exp- oh, okay. or anything at all into like radically leadership positions, like into leadership yeah. positions, and then they were then abusing others, kind of situ- situation. So okay. it was so it's like where that principle is actually really good, right? But you still have to have some like discernment and wisdom, yeah. Then. And that's why I think it's like you don't give away what you haven't received because mm. they were asking people that's to good. give you know, to give or to lead in things that they hadn't actually first yet received in. So we can, everybody is called and then you're being qualified, but don't start doing something that you, you know, like, you know, you, you just first like, I should, I should be a preacher. And so then you just try to like interpret revelation without studying it. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know, just like relax for a minute and maybe do some homework. (laughs) Like there's, there's still some of that. So I don't know any thoughts on that, but, um, yeah, I think,
1: uh, when we keep we keep talking about giving away what you receive i think mm-hmm. what we mean is we've all received the love of jesus christ through the power of the holy spirit in our salvation yes what we're talking about giving away what you received is the like modes or mediums by which you receive those receive that ultimately you received it through faith by you know grace alone through jesus but you came to internalize that more or understand it more through a bible study that someone took you through or mm-hmm. through someone uh, mentoring you in, in like a intentional relationship for a certain amount of time or you know having you over for dinner on a repeated basis like yeah. that's what we're talking about giving away both the message of evangelism and Jesus Christ in your life but also the mode or medium by which somebody gave that to you and that is what like we find in our church here at Calvary is that people feel like they don't have anything to give away because mm-hmm. they they don't conceptualize the way in which they received um, discipleship from other people, mm. um, and so we have found like like you've talked about you talked to different people at our church and we've kind of all been on this journey trying to figure this out. We found that people are spiritually rich; they just can't quite put to words how they received all right. of these all this great thing that bolsters their faith and pushes them along in their
2: discipleship journey and it's there. They just have a hard time putting words to it. Yeah. And that's why I think even why when we, so we promoted this whole summer book club thing, right? Where, Hey, here's a practice of just even maybe, maybe, getting used to having spiritual conversations. <laughs> mm. you know because mm-hmm. I think we think, oh, I learned that from I learned this thing of how to pray from Eric preaching a sermon on how to pray and then I was praying that way. but I can't go preach a sermon on how to pray right Sure, duh right. That, that's the motor or whatever. That's yeah. the the way the information was communicated to you. but like if your friend just talked to you and said, hey, here's some ways I've like found like that is helpful for me in prayer when I do this, Mm -hmm. like then, and then that's like way more normal. And like, yeah, you can then have a conversation with another friend about that. Oh, this was helpful for me in my journey of prayer and trying to understand how to talk to God when I'm not actually seeing him or hearing an out loud, audible voice back. Like, what is that? That's confusing. So, you know, it's helpful to have somebody that's like, well, here's what this journey looks like and right. you don't have to preach a sermon and so the we we like asked you on sunday hey b- buy this book or get a copy of this book what if jesus was serious by sky jitani and it's all about what if jesus was actually serious about the words he said in the sermon on the mount and so it just kind of goes through really like visually um, it's got pictures, doodles. Um, That's a big kinda, selling
0: point for me. Yes. Yeah, simple
2: chapters. Just like couple page chapters too, where you're just like... all the lines okay. rhyme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> iambic <laughs> pentameter. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and then just... But the point isn't the book. The point is just talk to somebody about some of these, these things. And it's like, hey, here's a reason to have a spiritual conversation. Hey, yeah. you know, even if like... They told me at church to buy this book and talk to my friends, totally. you know? And so I just like start a conversation with a friend. It's cool. Like go for it. And and that's I, like, we kind of joke
1: about it. But again, I think that's, we are trying to recreate a religious society in a non-religious society. Like yeah. we're trying to recreate the first century is <laughs> like yeah. context of people who followed Yahweh, you know, people of 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 Israel in a secular society. So it's like, we joke about it, but it's like, That's, those are the kind of things we have to do. That's the kind of intentional verbiage we need to do. Cause we don't just always have spiritual conversations now. We're not just going to church three times a day or going to temple every night or whatever it is like, that's just not happening. So we do have to be intentional about it, even if it's like
2: funny or awkward or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so hopefully this can help you and then you can then keep going with that. So I encourage you to try that or you you got a nugget in there
0: for us. Part five, yeah, titled "A Prayer for Losers." Whoa, <laughs> you gotta get the book to see Next what that's week. all about.
2: Though <laughs> uh, we actually sold out. We we only bought yeah. we got a hundred of them and we sold out oh, of wow, them on 100. Sunday. Nice. So we are getting some more, and you can obviously you know find it wherever uh, on your favorite online retailer. Um, <laughs> uh but yeah so the, the podcast today is sponsored by sky jatani and what <laughs> yeah. if jesus was serious do you know this person so no sky jatani you owe us now many many copies of your book for free please <laughs> or a visit to the calvary life podcast We'd uh, yeah to you, you can join
0: us you're oh my a gosh, podcaster. awesome yeah we can do. we
1: bring uh phil Vischer too right no. don't
2: they do it together? yeah they do it together but yeah. no thanks i don't think it's that funny the VeggieTales guy? Mm. Yeah. I know. Shots fired. Hot take right there. Wow. I know. I'm sorry. That was a hot take. Wow. I, I don't think, know what the beef's about. I don't know. He, They do have a podcast together. I mean, I don't I listen know. to uh, it for f- the humor. I find it almost unlistenable. You're really shooting us in the foot here, Eric. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is on the internet, huh?
1: I guess people who have a podcast can throw those kinds of...
2: Absurd well, as, a, as, a fellow, bow, um, as a fellow creator podcaster, in the podcast <laughs> space. I guess Eric has the uh, authority to say I those say, yeah, of things. I really things, like but... Sky Jatani's part, so maybe he'd still come. But... Wow. you going to cause division. You really going to go on
0: that podcast after oh my you goodness. flamed me like that? <laughs> yeah. I like Caitlin, she too, or whatever,
2: however you say her name. She's really good, too. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I I'm... also like VeggieTales a lot. Oh, so, so yeah. So just Phil Vischer as a human. No, 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 no. Like... As a podcaster. <laughs> Take some notes from us. Dang, sorry, guys. I apologize. <laughs> I, mean, I um, need I'm Matt down here to tell way. me to not do that stuff.
0: Wow. Christian Hemmerling is not associated with the previous comments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah they exactly. Do not on a on waiver. The, they do not reflect on Calvary Church as an institution. <laughs> These things
2: are going to be online, however probably not that many people will actually hear them. Oh, yeah, don't Don't uh, no,
1: Just the 12. Just a, would, you you 12 listening. I don't want to do a full. Oh, yeah, the 12. That's all that matters is the 12 that's listening. There you go. do care know, about Jesus the followers. Wasn't,
0: Jesus wasn't afraid of saying hard truths that, that lost some followers. Yeah, all to right. 12 people. All right, we're going to transition here. We got
2: some listener mail. Are you yes. excited for this? I absolutely am. Uh, this coming from uh, a listener named Kathy said i want to agree with christian that the deep breath during his speaking felt really good i want to do that every week let's go that's awesome yeah Uh, it
0: helped me settle in for sure too Hmm. isn't that cool so not so much a question but a nice comment that's amazing thank you kathy that's confirming affirming yeah yeah Yeah. it's the wim hof method (laughs) (laughs) what what is that he's the ice man he goes in cold water and he like, oh, he just regulates yeah. his breathing and has a lot of health benefits. I didn't think of him when I did that. I just, I was reading the scriptures, but <laughs> they're, they're God breathed after all. Do you go? <laughs> oh, <dang. Wow. laughs> go, do you do like ice baths? No, no. Okay. Getting in, Getting in the ocean with a 4 3 and booties on yeah. is cold enough for me. That's oh my a, gosh. Could you imagine just for those of you really listeners morning? that aren't oh a surfer, goodness.
2: bro? Yeah, four millimeter by three millimeter thick. Christian warm, is warm. basically what he just said. And I wear
0: booties because I'm not four, worried about people in judging booties. me. I don't in even know. Southern
1: California,
0: it. you own booties?
1: I know, oh, do you don't. get in the
0: water? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think so. I do own booties. I, would I don't wear, have a 4-3. I would
1: wear booties if I went to like Sano just because I
2: hit the rocks like crushing my feet. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. the worst part. On the coldest days, booties are sometimes needed because my feet will be so cold that I won't be able to feel the board. Yeah. It's like almost like you're standing on no. oh, rocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've had that experience. Um, so I do occasionally wear booties in the heart of winter, but I don't have a 4-3. I had a 4-3 when I lived in Santa Barbara
1: that's yeah. acceptable yeah. that's norcal ish
2: yeah ish um okay check this out a couple other questions um one now you might you can choose if you decide that you want to answer this i don't have an answer actually off the top of my head for this so i'm a little terrified of this question are you ready this is from katie what is your favorite thing or quirk that your wife does
1: oh my gosh
2: that's terrifying dude she's trying to get us get us canceled by our own spouses let's see at least Robert and I have spouses. I can probably say that <laughs> Rachel
1: <laughs> may not listen to this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll definitely send it to her. Um. Oh, my gosh. Favorite thing or quirk. Yeah, not favorite. Like, like thing cute, you're annoyed by.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine is B wears a sweatshirt even when it's like 95 degrees outside. So I think it's a quirk because it's Whoa. a little bit yeah, unique, right? It's a little different. But she is always cold. And so I actually bought her for Christmas. So it was like yes I'm cold signed 24 7 or something me 24 7 or whatever yeah yeah wait was it quirk or what thing yeah quirk (laughs) or thing. thing favorite thing that Rachel does what's your favorite thing or quirk that Rachel does yeah
1: I guess it's not maybe not a quirk but she loves to nest and she has this like little face that she gets when she like wants to go into nesting mode it's like a big like sigh and like and i just know immediately like she just wants to nest which is like decorate the home differently or move things around and she does (laughs) such (laughs) a phenomenal job like i swear the way she has our house set up and the picture frames and books and everything it's it's so like peaceful and the colors are all great and it's like she does such an amazing job at it but I make fun of her when she like gets this little sigh. She's like, ah. And I'm just like, oh, you just like want to You're nest like, I gotta you. do like, some work this, now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do I need to move? Tell me where to move it. Great question. Uh you wanna
0: pass? <laughs> I guess, I don't know. It's all right. So Shannon does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Hmm I don't know. She just gets very grumpy if she's tired. Oh, that feels universal. Yeah, that is relatively universal. I also do this. Really, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow,
2: <laughs> we could edit this part out, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't spend time thinking. I didn't, know, I didn't think it applied to me.
0: Um, that's amazing. <laughs> Uh,
2: oh boy um okay i'm gonna give you another question you can think about if you ever come up with a, g- a good answer you can or you can just kind of yeah. move on all right. right this is from tim from tim nellis okay you guys this is a question from tim nellis wow it's kind of mean it's to me <laughs> is it a statement or a question no it's a question it says now that you are in the next phase what part about oh. aging are you most nervous about <laughs> What was the previous phase? <laughs> when did you When did you go to the next stage? I don't know, man. Are I'm, you 50? I'm 48. I'm turning 49 in August, so I'm a oh, year, right. 27th. year yeah. and two months away from being 50. How old is Tim? seems like, like 38 or something. No, 44. No, he's probably like yeah, probably like 44 or something like that. That's my guess. That's Josh's
0: age. Or is he not remember? in the next stage? I know. He's he just is. wants
2: me to have to read that question on the podcast. <laughs> 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 now that you're in
0: the next stage maybe I empty do, nester
1: well, almost empty nester I, that
2: maybe is the stage because i am just a couple years away from my youngest being in college are you gonna so. turn 50 when you're an empty nester same year right i mean yeah like just before i'll turn 50 is Whoa. that yeah it's kind of crazy dude it's a big year oh no it is like i think it is that means it'll be the summer she'll turn yeah she'll go. like she'll go no to it'll college. be the summer before her senior year i turned 50 oh, okay and uh, so, anyway, it's kind of wild. Time for another Ironman Man then, or something, right? I know. Well, Iron Man is sort of thought of as a midlife, midlife crisis, crisis sport. Yeah, sure. it's a total midlife mm, crisis yeah, 100%. sport. Hundred percent. That's so, why I haven't done one. Yeah. Same. So I've already yeah, done exact that. Same reasons. You know. So now I you got to do one,
1: really? No, you got to do the Kona Iron Man, right? Yeah, but that, that you have to qualify called? for. Yeah. yeah, come
0: on, bro. I'm not good at this sport. <laughs> I do it. Uh, we don't accept negative <laughs> self talk. What's amazing is that it's a sport everyone's impressed at if you just finish. If, if you you're just, like, yeah. yes. And it they're like, incredible. I don't care that you walked part of it or whatever. <laughs> I'm just I'm impressed brawled. that you kept yeah. moving for that long. And honestly, is
1: it, there's, is there another sport where you just get high marks just for finishing? Like, just yeah, like endurance. It's really, I mean, yeah. like a marathon. And kind ball, of endurance, endurance sports. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. just finish.
2: It really is remarkable. Yeah, not softball. You have to. <laughs> yeah, because you guys ended in a tie. You have That's to finish awesome. it in under seventeen hours, or it does not count. Where
1: does the seventeen come from? That seems arbitrary, like most it is 17 one.
2: I think yeah. it's like before <laughs> they. If you start pretty early, like you start Sunset at seven a.m. and it'll end before midnight. Oh, okay. I think they're just kind of like, can we get this thing done with today? Totally, is arbitrary though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they want it done in that day. Um, I probably only have permits for that day and stuff like that. Oh, I bet. that's true, right? It um, closed down parts of the road mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not like
1: it matters at 1 a.m. Tell the sharks you can't come to this area. Yeah, for I rest. am
2: having to think about like my knees and stuff like that. Like, I'm not playing much basketball anymore because, like, I feel like my knees are gonna blow out. Mm. So, I don't know, stuff like that. I'm getting old, guys. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So, did you answer the question? Yeah, what party most nervous? I guess, most nervous about. Um, being alone, injured by myself.
0: Um, there's a life alert for that. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you a life alert for your life. help. I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> you have those commercials, little USB today. stick around your neck. <sighs>
2: oh,
0: boy. That'd be amazing to get our senior pastor. Life, <laughs>
2: life alert. alert. We're that would be it. a good, honestly, a good 50-year-old like, gift. Yes. Like, so it's all a like a roast. One foot in the gear. You <laughs> know I would enjoy a roast, too, so that would be fun. We could
1: arrange that. I know some people in the roasting business. <laughs> that's true. That's true.
2: I don't think I actually want those
0: people, though. They're too good at it. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Shout you can ben really Harris tell just when saying. it's
0: just like, oh, that was like, you can't laugh at that. It hurt. It cut too deep. Yeah, you know, like, sometimes <laughs> it would cut too
2: deep. And that's what I'm afraid no, of. With I think they would Ben and RJ would be too far. It would be too cold. I was also mean to Ben this Sunday. Ben was the one I looked at when I talked about the book.
1: Oh, I was wondering who he looked at
2: when I said it has pictures. Like, even, oh, yeah, and I go, even yeah, you yeah. could read it. And he's like, and he like points to himself. So he's like, me, Ben Harris. Yeah, and it was, okay. and I'm like, yeah, you, dude. And it was Ben Harris. I was just like messing with him. That's it was fun. Incredible. He was sitting right next to Matt Hempill. And his dad, Randy, and so it was just oh like, oh my gosh!
0: What about when you were like, That's oh, and you're chosen, and you're chosen, and not you? Who that just was just at, like a just, uh, just just a random, a general, yeah. <laughs> you know who you are, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Next time we can talk about predestination,
1: election, and disciple choosing. <laughs> when the you know people you choose say no, you're like, oh well, you're just not predestined then. So, yeah. yeah. Oh
2: yeah, there you go. Like there. the Jeho- Jehovah Witnesses. Yes. Yes. Can you? like But for reals. Think about being in that crowd, and he picks the twelve, and you weren't one of them. It made me sad when you said that. Yeah, and I was just like, "How, How do man? you feel?"
1: I mean, again, it's like I feel like they, nobody has. They see the miracles, yeah, but they don't have any sense of like what it means. What's going to on?
2: Yeah, really. like. But I think they knew, like, hey, this is our shot to be a disciple of a rabbi. That is very that that's a game true. changer.
1: Like, you got to think there was an exact replica, basically, of Peter, right? Who similar job experience, family experience, yeah. married, like the whole deal, and he just didn't choose him, right? And you're it. like, he picked Peter. That guy's a hothead. He just, yeah. he, you know, he's Can you keep always his fighting people's mouth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? cutting people's ears off. Gosh, <laughs> our his pets' heads got, are falling off. Pets. <laughs> guy's got no chill, and you want him to be a disciple. Isn't that incredible? Uh, that's uh, I, I'm. This is a tangent, but I'm always interested in Jesus's foreknowledge. His his true man nature and true God nature. How much he knew in advance and what the with specifics. But like, did he know all the specifics of these guys' lives before he chose them? Like, did he know that Peter was going to do that? Did he know Jews going to do that? Did he, it just like, it's just so. Like, could you imagine yeah. going up to people and be like, "Hey, you, I want you to be my twelve best friends, but I know everything you're going to do to be terrible to me." Yeah, yeah. And not only that, but then he still lives with them and loves them well. So it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just incredible. It's incredible. It's an incredible posture. It's
2: also interesting to think about the whole come follow me and I'll make you fishers of of people or whatever. Like that's like that moment, even with the fish, like when they're fishing and he gives them the big catch and then he's like, you know, leave your boats and come follow me. And they do. That's just to be part of the followers, dude. That's mm. not to be part of the 12. Mm. That should be part of the big crowd. Mm. It's after that story then that Jesus goes to to a mountain and prays about who's going to be the 12. That was not 12 time. (laughs) Not 12 time yet. Not 12 time yet.
1: That's, yeah, that is wild. Again, it goes back to that question of like, Jesus asks all of us to give something up, not in the way of like, oh, I just need to like write a check or whatever. But he asks all of us to give something up in order to follow him. Yeah. So if you haven't felt like there's been an exchange in your life, like, I don't know, how are you following Jesus? Yeah. I don't
2: know. Can I tell you about one last thing? It's like a way I'm uh, kind of discipling someone, and then we're kind of being mutual about it um, right now. So there's uh, a guy named Max Krusevich, uh young guy, 21 years old, I believe. What a looker, huh? Uh, oh yeah, handsome, <laughs> handsome devil. Uh, <laughs> But uh, we know him just for to clear this <laughs> up, yeah. We're not mean weird, <laughs> we all know. <laughs> no, he's, he's a good guy, I grew up here, friends with his parents. Kind of, I've been like, kind of meet with him a lot over the last few years, whatever. And then, um, so Max and I, we met and he was talking about like, hey, can we have something like more regular, like that, kind of like helping me with? I'm trying to be both I'm trying to like work out more and I'm trying to like read my Bible and pray more and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And all of a sudden this idea came to me and we started a club called the Nine and Nine Club. Okay? We're the Nine Nine Club.
1: Nine, nine. Nine, nine. Nine, nine.
2: <laughs> no. Careful. Oh. Easy. Nine, nine, nine <laughs> not German. No. That, no, not German. Not no, like, no. Uh, it's confusing to say no. If he says not German, then you say no because your yeah. nine is no. Yeah. It's very confusing. But that is incorrect. Anyway, the Nine and Nine Club is where at 9 p.m. at night we text each other what we're going to do the next day spiritually and physically Whoa. in the morning cool and then we have to text each other by 9 a.m what we did
1: oh my goodness
2: oh, that's great so that's that some way accountability because there's this thing of that's like really solid planning like the like workouts ha- like workouts start the night yeah. before the workout not the morning yeah. of mm-hmm.
0: uh that kind of thing that explains a lot for me <laughs> I keep trying to start them in the morning, and I'm all, I always decide not to. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
2: So anyway, we're trying this whole thing. We've been texting each other, and like, uh, is it every day out. or yeah, every? We're doing it every day. I can a tell. Days, so, yeah, I can I, tell it's going to get gonna... annoying a little bit at some point, yes. or mundane. So I'm concerned about that. Needs to be a few times a week, maybe. Uh, but nine nine, so nine and nine club, dude. Wow, that's that's fun. it's fun. What a great way, way to encourage people. people. Yeah, so that could be that could be a way you get, like have a buddy or something that you guys help encourage each other to be physically healthy spiritually healthy both but you know i gotta keep going a little bit longer so Mm, we'll see preach that all All right preach the good word (laughs) all right guys thank you to christian hemmerling thanks for having me yes thank you even though you're canadian we appreciate having you no he's
1: (laughs) i like to call him french chinese french canadian because he lived in china for a bit and then everyone's french canadian
0: not that's French not true and then he's American <laughs>
1: no everyone in Canada is French Canadian I
0: mean he is East no, Coast that's what I'm More. saying everyone East Coast Toronto's is... not French Canadian it's not French basically, basically French
2: he's Chinese
1: French American Canadian
2: Um, I I feel you <laughs> I understand what you're saying Robert Carter from (laughs) Sonoma County. Yeah, whatever. I'll take it. We'll receive it. Yes. Gold miner extraordinaire. Yeah, I've dealt with it my whole life. (laughs) And thank you, Robert. And thank you for listening to the Calvary Life podcast.
1: Thanks again for listening to the Calvary Life
2: podcast. If you'd like to share any of your thoughts, please reach out to us at podcast at calvarylife.org. You can find out more about the show on Instagram at Calvary Life or on our
1: website at calvarylife.org slash podcast.